And Brad just read to you the end of the story. Let's go back and get the first part of the story. It begins in Joshua chapter 3. People were ready to move into the promised land. They camped near the Jordan before crossing over. And then the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, who are Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Don't go near it. Then Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Down to verse 8. Tell the priest who carry the ark of the covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Verse 13. As soon as the twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, uh, choose. As soon as the uh, priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan's at flood stage. All during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Chapter 4. Now when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Verse 6. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel Forever. And then the part that Brad read you summarizes it. It said, here's what happened. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up in Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. 
and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. I want to talk to you about memorial stones today. What's their purpose? God seems to be big on memorials, as Brad mentioned. There are lots of memorials in the Bible. Why? Well, the first reason is real obvious. We have short memories. We don't remember things very well. Some of us worse than others, but we don't remember things very well. In Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12... The people were about ready to leave Egypt and go down. They were going to get to the promised land, they thought. And Moses told them, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things you didn't fill, and cisterns that you didn't dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant, And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. And Moses warned these people. And at that time, can you imagine thinking, somebody's going to forget this? The ten plagues, the things that happened there, the darkness, the, the... Flies, the, all the plagues that happened and the Red Sea and all that. Moses said, better be careful or you'll forget. You'll forget about how you got here. That's the obvious answer. As God sets these memorials up, either the stones at Gilgal or whatever the Bible's talking about, to, to remind us because we forget. That's the obvious answer, but I think maybe that's a secondary reason. Because within one generation, we ought to be able to remember biggies like that. I think the primary purpose is a little bit deeper. And what's primary is, well, let's stick with the story of Moses and warning the people. Just a few verses later in Deuteronomy 6, verses 20 to 23, listen to what Moses tells them. He says, when your son asks you, In time to come, what's the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules of the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your sons, we were Pharaoh's slaves. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out of there that he might bring us in and give us the land he swore to give our fathers. Moses said, don't you forget about where you came from and how you got here. And in the future, whenever your sons ask, you tell them the story. You remind them so that they'll always know. Go back to our story in Joshua that we started with in verse 6 and 7. It says, in the future, when your children ask, tell them. And he gives a very short version of it. He just says, tell them about this crossing. Tell them about the Jordan River at flood stage. 
Tell them about the priest stepping in and the water stopping and the water piling up. Tell them about the ground dried out and everybody walked across. You tell them how we got over here. And then he says, this is to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. There's the purpose. There's the purpose in memorials and memorial stones. Yes, it brings to our minds that memory. But it is to continue the story. It is for generations. It is forever. It is for your descendants' sons when they ask. That's what memorial stones are about. These stones down here that I put in front of the pulpit, I thought about putting them up somewhere where everybody could see them. These rascals weigh so much. Number one, it'd be hard to get them up there. And number two, if somebody tipped one off, it'd kill you. These are heavy stones. So, so you can come see them afterwards if you want to, if you're sitting in a place where you can't. And for those of you that think it's all right to let your children run on the stage after church, let me caution you. If they get around these too much and tip one over, you're going to have some smashed fingers. Okay? Those are not real stable, so kind of watch your kids today extra special. They say on them, Church of Christ, 1939. Anyone here in 1939? Anybody part of Northside in 1939? I know you. some of you were here in 1939, but I'm talking part of Northside in 1939. I don't see Talma's hand back there anywhere, and I don't expect any other hands. Is it? There she is, Talma, right in the middle of things. Still right in the middle of things. She rode her bicycle to the basement building of Northside. Okay, so she understands something about these stones. Any of you here in the 40s? A few of you in the 40s. Anybody in the 50s? A few more hands go up. The 60s? More hands go up. Okay, now the further I get, the more hands that will go up, but also the less you will know about what these stones mean. The further away we get from it, the less we remember, the less we know about it. Okay? So what are we supposed to do about memorial stone? Well, why don't we remember? Well, we don't tell it very often. We don't tell the history of these stones very often. That's why the 27th and 28th of this month is going to be cool. Because we're going to tell the story of these stones. And I know some of you are not planning on attending. You're thinking, I don't know any of those old people. I don't know any of that old stuff. Why should I go to a 75th reunion? Well, there's one reason, to learn. To learn about where we came from. To learn about the history. And I'm not saying attending the reunion's mandatory. It's just a good idea. Now, reading the book about the history of Northside suggests that's mandatory. There is going to be a book. It's coming together. It's going to be there. And it's an amazing thing. It is a really complete history of Northside that's being prepared. And to read through it, it's just awesome. It tells you how we got here. 
I've read it in bits and pieces as it's being prepared, but I kind of read through it all at once the other day. And when I got done, I thought, this is astonishing. This is a picture of what God has done through a lot of faithful, obedient, prayerful people in 75 years. And I knew a lot of the people in the book, so I'm thinking, these are just ordinary people. There are no superheroes in there. They're just ordinary people who didn't have any way to plan or direct or finance or even foresee this. No way any of them could. But they had a God who did. And he got us to where we are today. The, the book will show you that. Now, about these stones. Let me, let me just illustrate a little further about memorial stones. I need a couple of kids to help me. And these are about kindergarten, first grade, second grade size chairs. Got any left in here, a first grader? or They're about Carson. Do you want to come help me? Anybody else left in here? Drew, you want to come? Okay. Already got two. Have a seat right here, Mr. Carson. Mr. Classen's coming. Have a seat right there. Thank you. Now, those chairs did come from the old building about the same time these stones did. Let me ask you two boys something. Do you know what these stones are for? You know what they're about? You know what they mean? Know anything about them? Nope. Okay. All right. That's what... Moses said, that's what Joshua said. He said, there's going to be children that don't know what these mean. And so when they ask, would you like to know what they mean? Good, right answer. When, you, <laughs> when, when they ask what these stones mean, they're not just big blocks of concrete, although there are big blocks of concrete. See, it says right there, 1939, okay? Back in 1939, these stones are older than your grandma. <laughs> my, 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 most of your grandmas. <laughs> and back in 1939, way back then, there were 38 people, that's not very many, and they wanted a new church. They wanted a new church close to where they lived. So they asked God to help them, and they built a new church. And when they did, I've been showing you those pictures of that church every week. But when they did, they put these out in front of them in a sign to say, this is the Church of Christ, and this building was built in 1939. And the people that did this did some really amazing things, but God did some more amazing things. Like those people that started this church, one of the first things they wanted to do was send missionaries places. And they wanted to send money to missionaries. So they started doing that, and God just kept building on that. And today, you know, Mr. Jonathan and Mr. Robin and Miss Chrissy, okay, God has done that. We've got people all over the world now. But these people started that, and God helped them. These people wanted to teach children, so they bought little chairs like that to put in the kindergarten and first grade room, 
and they started teaching children. And, you know, when they first started, kids like you went to class in a basement in some rooms that just had curtains between them. They weren't even real rooms. But today, you know what God's done? He's built the safari wing and the palace of the sun and all of that over there. God just keeps doing neat stuff for us. And the people that started this, they started early on, wanted to work with teens and teach teens to grow up and have a good youth group. And it was a little bitty at the start. Your grandpa was in it. He sat by me sometimes. We sat in some old folding chairs over in the corner (laughs) in a little bitty building. But anyhow, they started with that. And since then, you know what God's done? He's brought us Toby. He's brought us a whole bunch of parents that helped build one of the best youth groups in the country. God just keeps doing amazing things. And the people that started this, they wanted to preach the Bible from the pulpit. They wanted always to teach the Bible. And so God brought them preachers who could do that. You know, there were 13 preachers before me. 13 other preachers before me. See Mr. Bill over there? Is Mr. Bill here today? Yep. Mr. Bill, see him waving there? He was the preacher right before me, the distinguished white-haired gentleman there. (laughs) And he preached the Word. He preached the Bible. That's what the people that started this wanted to do. Whatever they wanted to do, they asked in prayer, and God gave it to them. And that's why we have this great big building, and we've got 700 people, and we've got a big youth group, and we've got nice classes, and we've got missionaries all over the world. God did that for us. If you want to know some more about that, ask your parents or your grandparents, okay? Okay, you know more about these stones now, don't you? Okay, you can go back to your folks. Okay. What's God say to do? He says, set up memorials, put the stones somewhere, and yes, it'll remind you, and that's good, but it's really for the next generations. And sometimes the next generation doesn't get that. Sometimes the next generations think, those are just old stones. You know, we don't need those. Uh, Let's get modern. Can't stay stuck in the past. I'm not advocating that we need to live in the 30s or the 50s or anything like that. I'm not advocating that we never change anything. I'm just saying that there's a reason the wise man wrote Proverbs 22:28. Proverbs 22:28 says, "Remove not the ancient landmarks." Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. And I know that's talking about landmarks. They're they're boundaries, lines, between properties and all that. The wise man said, don't take those landmarks out or it'll get real confusing. Nobody will know where their land ends and where the neighbor starts and all. Don't take out those ancient landmarks. That's what it means, but you can apply it to to knowing history, knowing why boundaries are there. And sometimes younger generations don't think through that. They, They just start changing because they don't see any reason not to. 
Well, before we change things, and I'm not talking about little silly things, but major things, we ought to talk to an old-timer. Yeah, there might be a reason that that boundary is there. There's a reason that God specified elders are to run things. Elders means older. He didn't say, let the 20-somethings run the church. He said, let the elders run things. They understand about some boundaries. Now, uh, that's about memorials. Now, let's apply this. I don't want to just talk about Old Testament memorials. We don't have a pile of 12 rocks in Gilgal anymore. We don't go past that and say, what do those things mean? It's a different thing today. I think we still have memorial stones in the Christian age. And I want to look at four with you. I want to look at two today real quickly because they're pretty easy to think through. And then next week we're going to talk about two that are a little less obvious. First memorial stone I want to make you think about today is baptism. I don't know if you ever thought of baptism as a memorial stone. But let me ask you, what's baptism make you think of? I'd bring somebody up here and ask them, what's baptism make you think of? You'd say, well, it's, you know, like a burial. Somebody goes down under the water and they, they, they come back. Well, it's like a burial and a resurrection. Yeah. That's what the memorial stone is. It reminds us of that. It makes us think of that. And we talk about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's a picture of it. And you read Romans 6. Just go through there and see how many pictures the Apostle Paul says are in baptism. He says it's a death of the old way. It's a death of the old life. It's a death of the old man. And it's a resurrection to a new life. Is completely different now. And that gives you a point of reference, baptism being a memorial stone. And when you think back to your baptism, you can think, that is when God saved me. I can tell you now the time. I can tell you now the place where the Lord saved me by his marvelous grace. That, that's when it happened. That is when the Holy Spirit worked a new life in me. That's when my sins were erased. That's when I was adopted as a child of God. That's when I was added to the family, the church. And I came up out of the water, born a new creation. I was born again. The the picture does all that. The memorial stone makes us think all that. And I think most everybody would nod your head. Yeah, that's right. Now, let me go back to my main point. If that's a secondary purpose of memorial stones is me and you remembering, what's the primary one? It's an opportunity to teach. It's an opportunity to teach your kids and other people about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. 
do you take that opportunity? When we have baptism, do you discuss that with your four-year-old, your seven-year-old, your eight-year-old? With your visitors, with your friends that might happen to be here? With your friends on Monday that ask you what happened this weekend? Do you take that opportunity to teach future generations about the death, burial, and resurrection of your Lord? What's the purpose of it? Second memorial stone, let me mention quickly. The Lord's Supper. What we just did there, that's a memorial stone. Okay. Thirty minutes ago, we, we passed some things around, and we all took a little time to do that, and we prayed over different things. And What did that ceremony mean? What, what, the children don't know any more about that than they knew. those two boys knew about what these rocks were for. Okay. And I know, firstly, it's, it's a memorial for us. The cracker and the juice, body and the blood, it makes us think of that. And it's about his death. And I know sometimes we slip off and say we're here to celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection. This ceremony is not about his resurrection. I know it today is about his resurrection. That's why we're here, and that's why we celebrate and that's why when we get through with that, this ceremony, sometimes I think it's great when we sing a resurrection song because it completes the story. But the Lord's Supper is not about His resurrection. The Lord's Supper is about His death. That's what that stone means. It's about His physical suffering. Yes, we take the body and the blood and we think about the physical part of it. But it also makes us think about what else was happening that day. At least we ought to. Do you understand that when that happened, when his body was broken and his blood was shed, the spiritual kingdoms were in full battle. Complete, total battle. Between the Lord God, Jehovah, and the powers of darkness. It had come down to this moment, and the powers of darkness sensed victory. They knew they had it, because they had him on the cross now. It wasn't just Jesus. It was the hope. It was the Messiah. It was the Redeemer. It was the one that Gabriel had said, this one will save his people. And now the powers of darkness had him on the cross. And and they watched Jehovah God turn his back on him. And the earth shook and the sun went out. Strange things happened in Jerusalem. And the prince of darkness and his demons got to celebrate for a couple of days. That's what that ceremony is about. It reminds us of what happened. And then we think, why? Why did that all have to happen? Why was that necessary? It was necessary for my sin. 
That's what we think when we do this, when we come to this memorial stone. And toward the end of it, we ought to be thinking, my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. That's what a memorial stone does for us. But my remembering and your remembering is a wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong. But what's a memorial stone for? It's for the future generations. It's an opportunity to teach. It's an opportunity to teach your kids and other people. Paul said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You're telling other people that story I just told you. You proclaim, you tell the story. It's not a one-time thing. It's every time you walk past those stones. You tell your son what it means. It's not just a one-time thing. The first time, Junior pays attention because he'd like a little cracker and a little cup of his own. You explain it. It may be really short. It may be like, no, that's for big people. That's okay at a certain age. But then at a later time, no, that's for Christians, honey. And at a later time, you know what I was thinking today during the communion? You tell your son or your daughter on the way home in the car. It's an opportunity to teach. And if you've got a friend with you, if you've got a visitor that's come and is sitting there, you got somebody at work that asks you, do you guys take the communion every week? What do you think that is? That's an opportunity to tell the story of what the memorial stone is about. So when they ask that question, the answer is yes. And let me tell you something. I'll tell you why I do it. Okay. We have memorial stones for a purpose, folks. Actually, more than one purpose. We have them lest we forget and we have them for when our children ask. May we ever be faithful to those two purposes. Next week we'll talk about two more memorial stones that Christians have. The lesson is yours. If you're here this morning and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, Jesus died for you. All of that that happened and that we memorialize today is to be able to have a relationship with God. If you don't have that, you want to have that today. We'd love to help you. If you need to come, come. Let's stand and sing.